I believe that marketers, you know, the best marketers are the most empathetic marketers. They're the marketers that wow. communicate with your customers and that are passionate about learning how to better serve them. And for us, it's kind of twofold because we're working with our clients and like, I'm passionate about like helping my clients, but I'm also passionate about who my clients are trying to serve. And I think that the more empathetic and the more passionate you can be about providing value, upfront value, whether or not it's like, you know, at, at our place, it's like, we're just doing ads, but I see it as like, you know, my ad can entertain someone, it can inform someone, and it can also provide a solution to someone. And that's where I get really jazzed about my job. Cause I just don't think, oh, I'm just an advertiser. Like I'm actually trying to, you know, make a, a, an impact. Hey guys, it's the DM Happy Hour Podcast with your host, Drayshawn Ryan. And Cynthia Sandoval. That's me. So today we have a really, really special guest today. Her name is Dara. She is a humanitarian turned paid advertiser specializing in <laughs> Facebook. She's going to introduce herself like way better, uh, but I've really admired her work. She's one of the few content creators that I've actually found that has a different voice in the space. I think we were talking about this prior. We were talking about how this space is very, uh, it's either overly nerdy or just super 10x bro-y drop shipping and something wrong with that, but I don't like it. And <laughs> she's an absolute breath of fresh air. So Dar, please introduce yourself. Hey guys, so happy to be on the podcast and so happy to finally meet you, Cynthia and you, Sean been a big fan of what you guys are doing for a while now. And um, like you guys said, my name is Dara Denny. I am a director of growth at Thesis, which is an agency based out of New York. I actually just started this job last week. So um, I've been in the agency game for about three, four years now. And I, you know, specialize in paid social. So everything from your Facebook ads, Snapchat, TikTok, and what I really like to focus on in the industry is creative. And that's definitely really the biggest lever you can pull in 2021. But I'm sure we're going to get more into that later. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, for me, so I also, I started off with Google advertising. Mm. And then I really found my strength with Facebook advertising because I was a former creative or quote unquote creative. I, right. I, I was really into photography. I, I started off with the BFA and then I eventually transitioned because I thought I had to you know, conform to the world. And that's uh, so funny. I actually went to SVA my first semester of university yeah. for I was photography to SVA too. Yeah. That's so crazy. I took a ton of classes at S SVA. Life of a photographer there actually. Wow. That's yeah. insane. I think we have a lot more in common than we thought, but what I found especially interesting about you is that this whole humanitarian aspect and how mm -hmm. you actually stumbled into paid social. I think for me, it's hard to find like-minded individuals in that sense that come from an artistic background or I don't know what, how to explain it. Like I have a hard time articulating it. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to say free spirit, but just, just has a stronger emphasis, emphasis on the creative side, which yeah. makes us very, very good at what we do. But I'm really curious about your uh, entryway into paid and, and that whole story. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So I like to say that I'm a humanitarian turned educator turned advertiser. And what I mean by that is when I first graduated from university in 2013, I actually started my career working out of West Africa, India, and Egypt um, for about four years. And I was working with NGOs out there 
And it was actually in Egypt that I realized, okay, I'm not actually having the effect on the communities that I'm trying to serve. I'm not actually making an impact. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to exit this industry and I want to be a journalist. I want to tell stories that matter. So I walked into the biggest English newspaper in Cairo and I was like, give me a job, any job. And the CEO took one look at me and said, you know what? you're going to work in our social media agency instead. So it was completely serendipitous, my entry into this field. And when I was living out in the Middle East, I worked with Michelin-starred restaurants. I worked and launched the Mall of Egypt project, which is essentially that big mall out in the Middle East that has a ski slope and real live penguins. Like it's a mess. It's crazy. Um, And, you know, I realized that I loved digital marketing. I was working on the creative team and doing more organic social and producing videos and content. And I thought, you know what? I love this. I want to go back to New York where I went to university and I want to kill it there. So I went back, I got a job in PR and I hated it. I actually got fired like three months later from this like really tiny PR agency. They're like, yeah, you're not cut out for this. And I wasn't because so much of it was about like schmoozing with journalists and I just, I couldn't do it. So it was during this time I was unemployed for like two to three months, like really not feeling good about myself and where I was with my career that I ended up meeting um, one my soon to be co-founder in a bar in Bushwick and we ended up co-founding the, yeah, That's we, so cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, we went oh, into, yeah, we went into this bar in Bushwick, like right off the Jefferson stop. It was called Dromedary and we met each other and he told me, he's like, I'm trying to start a company. I need a marketer. And I was like, I, I, I am a marketer. Like, and so I started working with him, Tim, and we co-founded the company. I'm almost scared to know if you've ever heard of it because we crashed and burned pretty hard called NYC train signs. So what we did is we took the LED signs that were in the subway stations, brought them above ground and sold them to a consumer market. So um, it not only told the actual MTA train times, but we also had like a cryptocurrency ticker, a stock ticker, like Shopify ticker. It was a personal data device. And we were able to scale that business up to like 500K in revenue within the first three months. But then we crashed and burned because we got stuck in the trying to actually make the product out in China part. And this experience really solidified in me like this love of paid social and this love of creating funnels. I scaled the entire business through a Facebook ads email funnel. And it was there that I really got my feet wet and using Facebook ads to grow businesses. So after that, I started my own consultancy, working with smaller businesses that had a budget of anywhere from like five grand to 10 grand per month, growing them up. And then I started working with another travel startup where I concentrated on tons of different things. So I did a little bit of Google, a little bit of email, a little bit of Facebook, And then after that, I was like, you know what? Like, I love the Facebook stuff. And I think that I, where I succeed in it is knowing when and how to target people and with what creative to pair it with. So I decided, okay, that's all that I want to do. So then I started working for my old agency, was with them for about two years. And then I just started my new job as a director of growth last week. So congratulations. That's that's the long of it. Well, I love (laughs) The thing that I love the most is how this all started from you saying, like, I want to make an impact, right? And then you went on to do all of this amazing stuff. And it's just crazy how you 
went from where you were at to where you're at now. And that's, that's, that resonates with me so much. Cause whenever I'm doing something, I think about what type of impact can I make? Right. And that's exactly. also, that's also reflective in your content as well. Like on, on YouTube, like the type of content that you create on YouTube, yeah. you can tell that you're really trying to make an impact because you're actually showing numbers. You're showing what you're doing. You're showing things that other people talk about. Other people say, Hey, you know, this is how you do this Facebook ad thing. This is how you run this campaign, whatever, whatever. Right. But they don't actually show you real numbers from a client's account. Right. So I, I love that you do that. I love yeah. that. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just want to add to that. Like you, um, not only do you bring real numbers, but okay. So the word funnels gets thrown a lot in this industry. Mm. And when we think of funnels, like I actually hate the word, but I love the way you use it because you use it in the right sense. Cause you're actually talking about the buyer's journey. You're actually talking about account structure deeper than account structure. You're talking about, um, first touch interaction all the way to last touch interaction and how you're going about it. Like I'm, I'm sure you're talking about an integrated plan with like paid and then hitting them with some kind of email campaign and then another kind of ad like with retargeting and how you're hitting them and then, you know, integrating all that really nicely, which is really what a funnel means at the end of the yeah. day. Right. But we hear this and we think like click funnels. We think like um, your one tactics. Away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're yeah, or just like anything about- hacky is just like not what I do. And just like going back to like the, you know, wanting to have an impact part. Like I believe that marketers, you know, the best marketers are the most empathetic marketers. They're the marketers that wow. communicate with your customers and that are passionate about learning how to better serve them. And for us, it's kind of twofold because we're working with our clients and like, I'm passionate about like helping my clients, but I'm also passionate about who my clients are trying to serve. And I think that the more empathetic and the more passionate you can be about providing value, upfront value, whether or not it's like, you know, at at our place, it's like, we're just doing ads, but I see it as like, you know, my ad can entertain someone, it can inform someone, and it can also provide a solution to someone. And that's where I get really jazzed about my job. Cause I just don't think, Oh, I'm just an advertiser. Like I'm actually trying to, you know, make a, a, an impact. Yeah. You're not just influencing a sale. You're influencing yeah. a sale that can actually have impact to the end user or whoever you're targeting, hitting yeah. them at the right place at the right time with the right messaging. That's what I love about advertising as well. Like that's what I loved about the, the art of advertising like i studied mm-hmm. like ogilvy and like i was just so pat like i thought it was amazing how they were able to influence although they didn't have like the best companies like cigarette companies that they were advertising yeah. for yeah. but the fact that they had that influence was just for me i never had that as a photographer i never had that as a like a just a creative but when i managed money and paired that plus with business acumen and just understanding the foundations of marketing I was just like, this is amazing. I feel like you had a very similar kind of aha moment. Exactly. It's just about the ability to reach people and also knowing that that's really powerful and like respecting that power Mm -hmm. and, you know, respecting it on account, like on behalf of the client, because it's their money, you're not spending your own money in most case. And, but then again, like just knowing that like we have the ability to get into people's, you know, into their social media, like that's a big responsibility. And that's something that I try to never take lightly. And I think the more that I keep that at the front of my mind when I'm creating ad content, doing like all this targeting, it's, it, it's always helped me have a bigger impact and grow businesses at scale. So 
feel like it's truly ethical. Yeah. I try, I try to, I try to be as ethical as possible. It's so funny. I was having another conversation with a marketer and she asked me the question. She's like, how do you rationalize working for big companies like Facebook? Like, how do you rationalize making them richer or make, making Mark Zuckerberg richer? And I was like, you know what? Like, the amount of money that I've spent on Facebook, like in my career is probably around 50 to 75 million at this point. And that is just a drop in the bucket for these companies, but for the businesses that I've served and for myself, that has been a world of impact that has had a massive impact on me and my ability to grow businesses that matter. And that's not something that I'm ever going to be sorry for. I like I, how you, I like I how you say, say that. Similarly. Yeah, I was gonna say, I like how you said that marketing is like a superpower, right? Because like one of the things that, so when I used to work at an agency, um, this one agency I used to work at, we used to mm-hmm. have like, like uh, doctors as clients. And one of the things that used to feel so good was that I was able to basically be the bridge between the doctor and the patient who actually needs help. And mm-hmm. that in itself felt like a superpower because I was able to connect these two people together that can both add value to each other. So I love how you just said that. Cause I, I feel like marketing is like a superpower too. And that's why it's, it's so great to be in this space. You know, <laughs> I feel like the space yeah. is perfect for rebels. Like, yeah. what, do you, what do you think? Oh no, I love that. Lifestyles, like just, I I don't want to say the word, free spirits. Like I think it's perfect because you make it whatever you want to make it. Exactly. Yeah. And for like me, I had been living the digital nomad lifestyle up until COVID hit. Um, When I first started with my agency, it was fully remote before remote was the norm. And I was able to travel Latin America for six months before I met my partner and actually moved to Peru. But my job and my lifestyle enabled that. And I've never felt like I've had to choose between living the kind of life that I want to lead and my career and professional aspirations. Um, You know, while I was traveling, I was able to get two promotions that included two really big pay bumps. And I feel like in other industries, that's not something that's possible. Yeah. Yeah, you're actually paid for your merits, like the results at the end yeah. of the day. I mean, obviously experience is important. It sounds like you have a ton of experience, but I know like in a lot of industries, it's very hard to move up. You know, like you need to have like seniority. Like m- one of my friends is, mm-hmm. a, he was a former consultant. This is, this is the guy, Tom Dre. He was a former consultant for one of those big consulting firms, EY. And mm-hmm. it took him like, he was just about to make partner and it, it, he had to work there for like, 10 years or something like that and i'm just like man i feel like in this industry whether or not you want to work with an agency it sounds like you're doing really well they respect your lifestyle um desires and how you want to live your life and all that good stuff and then if you even if you want to freelance like there's so much flexibility and you're able to really mend the rules if i want to get paid more you know like that's directly correlated by the my results that i generate you know, not necessarily politics. Exactly. I was just going to say, I feel like our industry is shifting towards less and less politicking. I feel like agencies, maybe before the pandemic, when things were still a lot in person and in the office, you had a lot more of that. But I feel like now it's being boiled down to, you know, are they making an impact on my business? Yes or no. And if they are, then, you know, that's really what matters at the end of the day. And that's really something that I think that 
is relieving to me and I really enjoy because I don't have to get caught up in the politicking aspect of it. Right. I love that. I love that. I love that too. With your current job, how did you, so how is the, so you said you got to, you know, you transitioned initially within just a year, right? Um, sorry, what? So you, you got bumped up, like you got um, a promotion, like two promotions, like within a year. Yeah. So at my previous agency, Fetch and Funnel, I got my initial promotion within this first six months. So I initially started off as a digital ads manager, which is an entry level position. Even though I had worked with Facebook ads before, I hadn't done a lot of e-commerce stuff. So I got brought on with that. And then within the first six months, I got a promotion to like a senior ads manager. Mm -hmm. And then it was only two, three, four months after that, then that I got promoted to a director of paid social where I was then spearheading our expansion into other types of platforms and starting to hire a lot because it was at this point that I started like recognizing in other potential media buyers, like the kind of um, characteristics that would make someone really successful. Cause it's not always just like, oh, I got a four ROAS on this account. It, you know, you have to, the kind of people that I'm always looking at for the people that are, they're very curious and they always dig deeper and the kind of people that are passionate about this industry. Um, and I think that those are the people that, you know, the learning curve is a lot shorter for them. It's actually, I think in many ways, better to have people that are brand new to e-commerce or brand new to Facebook ads so that you can kind of steer them away from bad habits that older media buyers maybe have had as just a sort of habit. That's something that I really try to emphasize on and I have a hard time teaching Mm -hmm. this mindset aspect. How do you how do you teach curiosity? Because for me, the reason why I've done so well in the space is because one, it's constantly moving. So I'm able to adapt like with the whole iOS update. Mm. I easily like was able to just go down a rabbit hole, get a ton of information. Like, okay, I think I got it now, you know, Mm -hmm. but things are constantly changing and not just that you can understand the platform really well, but that doesn't necessarily mean success for a specific client because you need to know the landscape of that, that client's landscape really well. Like it's not just knowing the ads platform and all the technicals, yep. it's knowing the client's landscape. That's, that's where true success is found. So you really need to get curious about their price points, their margins. You know, I also work in e-commerce, so it's just, it has a ton of its own nuances and I have a really hard time trying to teach that curiosity mindset and the adaptability and the constantly being on your toes. And I, and I think a lot of people have anxiety over it because I used to when I was first starting out. So I try to teach um, <laughs> to completely shift that mindset to be more, have fun, like genuinely have fun with it mm-hmm. instead of seeing it as like a challenge that can potentially um, knock you off your rocker and maybe you'll lose all your clients because that's the first thing that I used to think about. And now it's just like, this is really exciting because I could be the first one to understand this one thing and I'll yep. create a piece of content of it or something mm-hmm. like that. So I, tr- I try and work with that with the people that I coach, but it is very hard to foster that. Yeah, I, I think something, I, oh, go ahead, Drayshon. No, I was just gonna say, I agree because like, so I'm in, obviously I do SEO and like everything is always changing within the SEO industry. Mm-hmm. And 
things get rocky. Like if you get a change in SEO and your, your website could be doing pretty well. And then next thing you know, Google decides to release a new algorithm. And then now your client's tra uh, traffic starts just dropping. Right. And it's like understanding why that's happening. Now that doesn't happen to me because like, I've always been preaching that you need to just create good content. I see a lot of the problems that happens is like, people don't focus on putting their all into the creative aspect. They focus more on just like the technical. They don't focus on like, how am I going to create the best, most readable content for anyone period. And so when I'm trying to train people, I, I also see that there can sometimes be a challenge with trying to instill that curiosity because they have to want it for themselves. But what I do normally is I like to kind of, um, like I have like a spreadsheet that I'll give people. I'll say, hey, start looking at industry trends and write your own perspective on this so I can see your perspective and what you think about this. Like I try to build the habits for them so that they can constantly keep evolving with the time. And like Cynthia said, just figuring out why that's happening, figuring out why your client's traffic is dropping, right? So just constantly agreed. problem solving. Yep. And I think it's very easy with like maybe something like Google ads to, to stay in that more um, logically mathematical mm -hmm. thinking. Yeah. I think that with, with, the, with the rise of automation year over year, creatives like you, me, and Dre shine. And especially using a platform that's so creatively driven, I like to say it's like a true marriage of science and art with Facebook advertising. You know, like not only do I get to revel in the art that is advertising and, and building a relationship and getting some and, and really um getting to the core of what it motivates the end user and their ideal target audience and then d figuring out all the technicals behind that which is like i just see it as a problem and a puzzle that i have to have to somehow put together yep. um it's also I forgot where I was going with that, but it's a true blend of art and marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, art and marriage. Art and uh, true marriage of art and science. science and yeah. I try and tell that to Dre all the time. I'm like, nah, you got to get into Facebook advertising. That is where true advertisers shine. Like Facebook ads, I mean, Google ads is something else. Like it's just very, it, it's great. And you can get very creative there. But Facebook advertising is so much fun. Yeah. And I think something that I've, cause I've trained a lot of young marketers as well. And the thing that I always start them off with is like, there are very few best practices. Like in our world, I just feel like it's yeah. shifting like almost month to month. And especially with iOS 14, like, you know, we're now like diving into it and really seeing what it's like working with this new privacy prompt. Mm -hmm. But what what was a best practice a year ago is no longer a best a yeah. best practice today that's why zooming out and looking at you know looking at facebook as, as a tool for your client's business not as a silver bullet but as a tool to provide a function and to drive traffic and to drive you know certain conversions that's what i try and place that emphasis on i agree well talking about i love that yeah, me too. Talking about the iOS update, how is your agency currently dealing with it? Because I feel like there's just a shit storm on the internet over it. It is a shit storm. And it's so funny because <laughs> last week when they deployed it on like January 19th, it was my first day. So that was great. <laughs> um, Damn. Welcome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it was tough because I'm like trying to figure out what's normal, what's not normal in these accounts. But I think the most important thing that I tell everyone is number one, no one knows everything and we're all learning this as we go. Mm -hmm. So, but, and because of that, you need to, um, 
you need to get as much information as you can, but always falling back on, like whenever I get confused or whenever I see someone on Twitter saying something random and I'm like, oh no, is this a thing that I need to worry about? Like, I don't know what to do. I always fall back on, you know, what this change really means. Like this change means that it's going to affect the way that Facebook optimizes targets and reports on that data. And today, you know, one week in, we're seeing a lot of differences on the way it's reporting that data. So what I've been encouraging to a lot of my clients and my teammates is, you know, we have to step back from Facebook, from the, from Facebook ads manager. Are we still getting that revenue? So we need to look at those marketing efficiency ratios and learn how to adapt that way, which is going to mean, you know, for our bigger clients, like our, our, a lot of our targeting was really broad anyways. And now we're just going to have to look at Facebook ads managers, see what creative is driving those actions and potentially diversify our spend, right? Something that we've been preaching for the last year and, you know, try out these alternative platforms. And I think that there is a renewed focus on that, but by no means do I think that Facebook ads are dead and like out of the way. It's just, we have to adapt to this new way of using the platform, which is just going to be with a little bit less information and Frankly, if I'm being honest, like I've worked on hundreds of accounts, I've worked on million dollar per month accounts. It's not like we're diving that deep into the data every single day anyways. So in some ways, it's sort of a blessing. (laughs) That's exactly how I feel because I don't like to get too in the weeds when it comes to reporting. Me either. No one reads it. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to the client. You know, like you, it doesn't make sense at all. But what I love about that marketing marketing efficiency number, I was I was uh, watching one of your videos where you talk about that. I think you were talking about the iOS update. Mm, Yeah, Um, and I I recommend everyone listening to that now to this now to to watch that video. It's it's a great video, and it's honest and it's transparent. But that marketing um, efficiency number where it's revenue divided by cost times, times 100, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think just the way you report, I can already tell that you're really taking into account the overall big picture, which is what sets me apart as an advertiser too. When I'm talking to my clients, my, my real kind of like secret sauce is that I'm really business consulting and anchored in with paid advertising, right? My overall creative direction doesn't just help our overall advertising. It actually helps the business as a whole, especially if you're a good business online, especially in the e-commerce space, Mm -hmm. you have an emphasis on SEO. You have a strong emphasis on social media. You have a strong emphasis on email. So I think now, uh, along with what you were saying, I think we're also going to need to really leverage like email now more than ever. Oh, yeah. That's something that I'm looking to add on as my services. Like those two should go hand in hand. I mean, paid sometimes really gets siloed in a lot of agencies. And I love how you guys are talking about it because Mm -hmm. in a lot of agencies just coming from an agency space, account managers stay in the account in the account they don't actually take a step and look at the business as a whole they're just like well today you know like we have five percent less clicks which means you know like search impression shares down i'm just and it just gets so exhausting because it's just like get your head out your ass and like look at the business as a whole and and let's look at all these parts working together so i i love how you're talking about that all the way down to how you're reporting your numbers with the client and bringing things into context Yeah. And I think something I tell, um, you know, people that I manage on the team is don't data for data's sake, like Mm. use a few points to tell a story. And if you don't know what story you're telling, then that data point probably isn't as important, which is why the marketing efficiency ratio, like that's the number that your client is looking at anyways. Like when they're evaluating whether or not to keep the relationship going with you, they're looking at their profitability. They're looking at their ability to scale. 
And if you can just have that right up front and center, they know that you're on the same team as them. Yeah. And I think that just leads to higher client retention. You know, when you actually position yourself as a true partner, you're just as neurotic and nervous about, well, I don't want to say nervous is a negative feeling, but I am usually with my clients. I'm just as neurotic about revenue as they are. Like I'm looking at that constantly. And I think Dre has a really interesting perspective with SEO as well. Because Mm -hmm. SEOs, he he mentioned to me and Dre, you can pop in. They don't look at revenue overall and the impact of SEO Mm -hmm. in the entire business. Mm -hmm. They just look at that specific silo. Yeah. That, that, that's one of the things that I could never understand. Like whenever I would do SEO at like jobs and other places, like people would literally only look at traffic and I'd be like, what's the point? You know what I mean? Like we need to look at how much, how much money are we bringing in for them? You know, like that's what sets me apart with my clients. When I'm working with my clients, I'm talking about the whole picture. I'm not just talking about traffic because at the end of the day, people, yeah, we care about traffic, but come on, like, we don't care about that. We, here's a perfect example. I had a client, right? I have a client, I'm still working with this person or this client and this business. And um, they had an SEO consultant that got them all of this traffic. Like they had like so much traffic, you know, they were getting so many visits to their website, but the revenue that they were generating wasn't as high as it could have been. I stepped in, started optimizing their SEO and their website and their traffic went down, but their revenue went up. And the reason why was because they, the person who was working with them prior wasn't focused on their main core audience. So when he was doing keyword research, when he was putting together the content strategy, a lot of it was targeted towards the wrong audience. And these people were just coming to our website, reading our content and leaving and not making any types of purchases. So a lot of the times, like if you're, just focused on, you know, traffic, 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 traffic. You're not looking at the big picture. You're not, you're not going to know if you're making a huge impact to this business overall, you know, and that's, yeah, it, it drives me crazy. I think that's the equivalent of a traffic objective campaign. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like, okay, what's the point of this? You know, uh, I don't even run ads for, cause I get inquiries all the time. I even have like a discovery call with someone and I don't want to blast them out the water right now, but I hate running campaigns and I don't do it normally unless they they pay me, but I don't like to run campaigns that have no, that, that don't have a clear uh, conversion goal that isn't moving the needle for the business. I mean, that's just smart because they'll just fire you in like a month or two anyways, because they're just, (laughs) to me, that just means they're not being transparent about their own goals. Mm-hmm. Like early in my career, I'd, I'd worked with people like that too, who were like, oh, I want this number of, you know, view contents or add to carts. And it always, it just like was a combination of their like failure to understand the platform and what it can actually do. And me just taking them at face value. I feel like that's another thing I try to really empower the marketers that I work with is like, you know, a lot more than you think, you know, and once you get the basics, which aren't that hard to learn you like you can have an, a tangible impact as long as you're setting yourself on the correct course a lot of the times clients will steer you in the other direction so yep. yeah you have to be really firm i think oftentimes mm-hmm. i see myself like my whole relationship with clients one there's a lot of trust involved um yeah. but two i see myself as like a, a reality check <laughs> like i come oh, yeah. in i'm ready for the call like we're friendly we're all cool I want your success just as much as uh, you, well, 
you want me to be successful in managing your account. It's very mutual, but uh, I'm going to give you a, a reality check right here. <laughs> this is not going to happen. This is, this is going to happen. Probably going to take a lot longer. That's, that's just my approach. And so I think in order to be a really good advertiser to just manage accounts effectively, you need to have a lot of conviction, even if you are wrong and you need to tell it to mm-hmm. the client. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's very probable that I'm wrong, but I feel very strongly about this because I did X, Y, and Z research. Yeah. And accounts. for me too, I consider like part of my job in that client relationship to be the educator and to right. guide them through the many changes that we're experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. I think that it's actually kind of cool that it's a part of our job as digital marketers to educate ourselves every single day on the changes yep. that are being made. Like I can't think of many other jobs um, that you need to educate yourself as much as we do, just with how rapidly things change. Mm-hmm. But that also translates to us having to educate our clients on those, on those changes, which can be tough, but it's like a necessary part of that exchange. 100%. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think in this, that same YouTube video, you uh, recommended some kind of email template from, mm. uh, I think his name is, I forget. Andrew Foxwell. Yeah. yeah he Andrew puts Foxwell. out really great blog and SEO content about media buying. He's one of my go-tos for sure on, especially the technical aspects of like what's going on in the space. Cause I'll be honest, like my, my, um, strengths lie a lot more in creative and a lot less than like, how is this pixel set up? Do I need yeah. like a custom hey. conversion X, Y, Z? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Same. And the thing is like, I feel like all of that stuff I can easily offload to someone mm. else. You know, exactly. like as long as I understand the big picture and I understand the goals of the clients, I can figure everything out in between. You know? A thousand percent. Yeah. So I loved how you mentioned that earlier. Like, how you empower the the media buyers that work under you. you you let them know like you you know a lot more than you think and it's the truth it's just like you can always figure out the technicals as long as you understand the big picture the problem that you're trying to solve you know so with that being said what um what are other qualities besides curiosity do you find do you think make a really great advertiser because i've been racking my brain over this too Yeah, I mean, and I think it involves a lot about stepping back, but it's having just like a broad knowledge of marketing in general and growing Mm -hmm. a business. I feel like I can't, I feel like the thing that's made me the most successful within the previous year has been the fact that I have knowledge about other platforms, that I have knowledge about email marketing and that I've done, I've created my own content. I feel like those things or things that I constantly talk about and bring up in client in um, client meetings. And a lot of it is also just to deal with the kind of clientele I was dealing with before. Right now at my current agency, I'm working primarily with businesses that are spending $500,000 or more on their advertising. But at my old agency, I was working with anyone who spent like 10K per month all the way up to 50K per month. And that was sort of where we played. And I find that a lot of younger media buyers are sort of in that realm too, or even they're working with smaller um, smaller budget clients. And the truth is, is that it is so, so much harder to go from $0 in revenue to 20K in revenue than it is to go from 20K to 100K and beyond. Um, Right now, I I love playing the scaling game. Like I get a thrill out of like putting more money, watching it grow, really growing big businesses. 
but you know, in, or when you're early in your career, you're going to be working with those smaller budget clients and being able to have knowledge on other ways that they can improve their business outside of the ads is going to make you an even more important asset to that client. So I always encourage younger media buyers who are working with those kind of clients to brush up on their email marketing, brush up on their content creation, brush up on their copywriting, because those kind of things are things that are make you even more valuable to those clients. My first agency that. job. Yeah, beautifully said. You like, have like, wait, I'm sorry, Sam. No, just, no, go for it. Everything you say is a mic drop. Like, yeah. <laughs> everything. Oh my God, right. no. I feel like we <laughs> always talk about these things, Dre and I, but like, you, you just articulate it in the way. It's like, it's, it's like, oh. Cuts through the noise. And we're honestly, like I said before, like a breath of fresh air because it's just like, wow, we're not the only ones that are thinking about like yep. actually building a business. And it's just like, for, I remember one time. Uh, I used to work at at a at an ads agency here in in, in New York, and um, I was wondering why this client would never come to our strategy meetings. Like we would prepare, <laughs> I'd prepare a deck and things like that. I, I was just wondering, like he's spending like two hundred k per month. Like why didn't he ever? Like he would just like be able to be like, oh, uh, great work, guys. Like you know whatever. And then mm-hmm. like I look into his analytics, and um, he's just making so many sales and just paid is just one little fraction of that. Like there's so many other variables that were so much more impactful. And so it's just like, Oh, I understand. This is just one thing he's doing to scale all of his current efforts. But, um, and it put things into perspective in that sense. Like, it was just like, Oh wow, that makes so much sense now. So it's just, then I, that's when I became more fascinated at like, okay, how do I integrate SEO and overall strategy, blah, 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 email, email, something like I mentioned before I'm looking into. I also think that when it comes to clients, like I don't, there's just so much more fun that you can have when you're spending 50K and up. And one of the qualifiers, like what are the qualifiers of a client? It's not only spend, but it's just a strong emphasis on those other marketing arms, you mm-hmm. know, strong emphasis of building out an SEO strategy, a strong emphasis of having um, a good social following. Cause like, I don't think you're really, you're so much more effective on Facebook ads. If like you actually have a strong following on your Facebook page and engagement. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I, I did an audit for a client this morning. That's like, you know, they're, they're ready to throw down some serious money on ads, like hundred K plus. And I looked at their Instagram and they had um only six posts and like 10 followers and I was like oh holy damn (laughs) (laughs) that's become part of like my audit process as well like yeah oh you have to it's like you never know what kind of things people are gonna slip by you and you just gotta call it out and be honest about what the actual limitations are what you have to be honest about what's gonna make your job harder because yeah. I feel like in the beginning, I was like a total yes man. Like I was yeah. like, yes, I'll take yes, on the client. Like, yes, I'm just going to, I'm going to work my ass off for you and, you know, do my best. But I've found now that I, I have to, you know, I have to take a step back and be upfront about like with the client, what their own limitations are. Cause, cause they don't know. And it's my job to let them know. And tell them, you know what, like if someone says they're going to get you a four or five ROAS right out of the gate on your $3,000 spend, like that's, that's tough. Like, <laughs> See, it's the reality checks. Like yeah. I constantly have to give reality checks and it's just like, I've gotten to the point where I actually enjoy this. So it's just like, what does that say about me as a person? But that's besides <laughs> the point. That's absolutely besides the point. That I enjoy chaos and shutting dreams down. Um, what would I you feel say- the same. 
Yeah, I just gonna. I, yeah. I feel the same way, you know. Like especially when I'm talking to clients that tell me, like, you know, one of the things that's really important in SEO is, is backlinks, right? And, yeah. and 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 stuff like that. But when people focus too much, and they're just like, "Yeah, I need a backlink. Like, I need I need ten thousand backlinks to this one page really to rank." But and it's saying. like, it's like chill out. Like you don't need you don't need that. You need a strong content marketing strategy. Like relax, you know, like it just grinds my gear. So I feel as though sometimes I have to check them with that as well. Cause some people, they just get that so misunderstood because they see so many other SEOs and so many other people just saying, you need backlinks, you need backlinks. But in reality, it's like, they don't even understand the context of which these people are saying this stuff in or how to even get them. You know what I mean? In a way that makes sense for their business. So you got a reality check them. Yeah, you got to get that reality check. Exactly. And Drayshawn, you said something too that I think sticks out. It's about providing context. I think that's a lot of what my goals are too with my YouTube channel is to provide mm -hmm. context in which, I, in which I present data, mm -hmm. which is why at the end of the day, I feel like I focus a lot less on the actual numbers and a lot more on the strategy and the why and being really clear. And I try to just really make things simple in that aspect. I feel like sometimes when I watch other YouTube videos about what we do, it it's just a wall of numbers and look at this nine row as and I'm like that like what is this yeah, like yeah. how like what can I take away from this so I try to be really deliberate and saying like here's what you can take away from this mm -hmm. and that's providing that context which I feel like is really missing in our industry um, in our industry of you know marketers who create content for other marketers and even when you just look at other advertisers like in the industry a lot of their content is super like Lamborghini or like, you know, or like, or like, this is how I work text. from home. Uh, yeah. This you know? is my awesome digital nomad <laughs> lifestyle. And this is how I made a million dollars for this one company and I 10 X'd it. And it's just like, what's the, like, what is even the date range that I'm looking at right now? Right. What is it like, is this right? just like the past two hours versus like, what if I look at the entire lifetime uh, mm. of the entire account? Like what, what would it look like then or the past 30 days? So it's just, people don't give enough context, which, I, which is why I find it so refreshing that you do. And even what you just said now, like leading with strategy first, I think it takes some time to get to that, to, to be able to talk high level because you're mm -hmm. learning all of the parts. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I see it all as a game of chess. You know, like you can only get really, and Dre, you got to get involved in chess, like seriously. Yeah, um, I have to. Seriously, like when, when, you, when you really want to master those overall strategies, you need to understand how each and every piece moves, you know? Yep. So, so that's what I put a lot of emphasis on, on like mentoring people and coaching them. It's just like, okay, listen, yeah, learn all of that, but here's the overall context in which you need to deliver it, you know? Here's the overall, like, here's the game plan. Here's the actual goal of it. Don't forget yeah. to tie that into, into play here. Like learn the technical, sure, but you're learning the technical so you can eventually direct the overall strategy. Exactly. You, ha you have to see three steps ahead. And in your testing, you have to have a hypothesis for what you're testing. Don't just test as test. Mm -hmm. It goes about data for data's sake. It doesn't help anyone. It has to be anchored in strategy and like stepping out. Yeah, I, t I say like uh, surgeon surgeon's precision when it comes to optimizations because that that was one yeah. of the biggest mistakes that I made. I would just like, uh, I will just pause this ad set now because I don't like. <laughs> <ad sets. laughs> I was just like, I have to present an argument. Like, if I'm pausing this ad set, why? What are the data points that support that argument? You know, like I, I kind of lawyer with myself. 
Um, but to wrap up here, I would love to know, like, what did, you know, for, for marketers uh, aspiring to level up and different stages, usually like intermediate, uh, listen to our podcast, what advice would you have for them uh, when it comes to getting to the next level in their career um, and overall? Create content, create content early and create content as much as you can. When I, the, the whole reason I got my first job at a remote agency was because I had a little marketing blog that no longer exists. So don't go looking for it. And it was literally what I would do is I would have like a six pack of beer to my, to myself. And then I would do a teardown of like a, like a D to a big D to C company. I'd be like, here's where they're fucking up on their ads. Here's what I hate about their emails. And I, I, I got blog. Oh, I mean, it was, it was good. I, I loved doing it, but I, I got several interviews from it. Cause like actually a few of the companies that I would do these teardowns about would be like, Oh, like, do you want to talk about a role we have in our marketing department? And I ended up getting one of those roles with a marketing agency. And it's just about showing, you know, higher ups and people that want to hire you, what you think of like how your brain processes marketing. And to be yeah. honest, like you know, even if you don't view marketing the same way that I do or the same way that Cynthia does or Drayshawn does, like your perspective on the marketing industry is incredibly valuable. And when you peel back the curtain on what you think and what your process is, that's going to have people lining up to work with you. I started my YouTube channel in June, 2020. So less than a year ago, since then I have more than doubled my salary just because of that YouTube channel. So I went from that. And then the whole reason I have this new job too, was because the SEO and founder of the new agency I'm at was a subscriber. And he hit me up on LinkedIn a few weeks ago and was like, you want to make a move? And I was like, absolutely. So that is dope. the more content that you can create and the more that you put yourself out there is the number one best thing that I ever did for my career. And even if you think you're new, that's, that's perfect. Like show, show what you do understand, show what kind of questions you can answer. My first 30 videos on YouTube were all answering common questions that I saw be like, that I saw like through my Google keyword research. So like you can start there, but the more that you can show your perspective is the key to increasing your personal revenue and your personal net worth. I love it. I love it too. Everything you say is a mic drop. If if we had, (laughs) if we had like cool, like sound things, I'd put the Jamaican air horns now. (laughs) You know, the amount of opportunities that have come from me producing more content is insane. One of them being meeting with you, you know, like I think that uh, I always thought of it just like as fluff. Like I was just like, ah, I'm just going to do my own work. Like, uh, you know, I'm just going to yeah, do yeah. good work, but it doesn't, you know, like doing good work uh, quietly doesn't, perf- it, there's not that much impact that can happen there. But yep. when you take a step back and actually show the world what you're capable of, you just attract so many opportunities and something that I heavily preach, something that Dre happily preaches. And uh, I'm going to wrap this up so that I can make more content on YouTube right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I got to say just about the YouTube for media buyers thing. I, you know, I just recently got monetized. It took me about six months, but the amount of money that Google AdSense is paying for content about 
Facebook ads and about other forms of media buying is way higher than I thought it was. I expected to make like a hundred dollars my first month. And with very, with like very few views, I'm going to be making almost triple that my first month. And so even if you are brand new to media buying and you want to start a YouTube channel, please, I want more competition. I want more people's voices on this platform. And I think that it's going to, you know, it's going to serve our community so much more if there are more marketers and more people like us sharing what they know. And there's good money to make from it. So let's go. (laughs) Let's make that money. Let's make that money. I hope that this leads to more collaborations because my uh, YouTube uh, needs some views. Let's do a live. Let's all three of us do a live sometime. It could be really fun. Honestly, I'm down. I'm down. That would be amazing. This conversation alone is so great. I know, right? Sindara, thank you so much for for hopping on. Thank you for sharing your unique perspectives on media buying and marketing as a whole. You know, I think uh, it's a much needed... uh, perspective in the industry and a breath of fresh air yeah i i i gotta say like so many mic drops that's all that's all i'm gonna say so many mic uh, drops <laughs> like, <laughs> i really need to get like one of those I, we, yeah we need, we need to yeah up. we gotta we're step it up. up we gotta step it we're up we're gonna step <laughs> up our youtube channel we're gonna become millionaires off of YouTube and then yes. that's gonna get. don't worry it'll do happen it. it'll happen soon and you'll hop on again but yeah thank you so much and uh guys we'll leave all of the uh all of Dara's social media and stuff like that in the description of wherever you're listening to this too. So you can go follow her and, and watch her amazing content. She's super great. So thanks a lot for joining us today and uh, see ya. Peace. Thanks guys. guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>